Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana K. White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people, people who don't love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me today. This is podcast number 176. That's a lot of podcasts. That's a lot of me talking. Um, I am also the author of two books, How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind, which is designed for the person who is completely and totally overwhelmed in their home and keeps asking, how does this happen again? (laughs) Or why is this easy for everyone else and so hard for me? Anyway, um, And I'm also the author of the new book, Decluttering at the Speed of Life. So um, I'm about to go on summer sabbatical hiatus break, whatever you want to call it. I'm just going to call it my sanity saver. Um, Anyway, I will not be podcasting. Um, Next week is the last podcast until August. So make sure that you subscribe in whatever podcast player that you like, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever. Um just so that you automatically get the new episode when it comes out in August. So, um, I also wanted to just make sure that you know that I am going to link, I've got several things up going on because I know, you know, summer is crazy, but it's also a time where you kind of have some focused moments to work on your house. Um, you know, they're random, but there are moments that are a little bit more focused than others. So, um, I've got several things that you can, um, use. I mean, I highly recommend just getting the audiobook version of my books that are, you know, very much take you through the whole entire process. Um, or, and, or, um, the five day clutter shakedown, which is my five step process teaching you through that. So anyway, just want to make sure you knew about that before I get into today's podcast, which is, um, about, teaching kids to cook real food. And I have a guest today, so I'm excited about that. Um, and she's going to talk about just kind of her story of really just becoming passionate about teaching her own kids to cook. Um, and you know, not only that, but also teaching them to cook real food, which is something that goes well with summer. And then next week I'm going to talk about what I personally am doing. Um, and I know this because I've already recorded it. Um, (laughs) but what I personally am doing, um, with my own kids who are older, um, you know, in, in summers, because I do feel like this is a great time for them to gain those life skills that are really important. You know, I mean, I want my kids to be able to clean, but I also want them to be able to feed themselves when they leave my house. So yeah, that's important. But before I get to that, let me tell you about our sponsor for this week. Summer is here, y'all. Our lifestyle in the summer can best be defined as loosey-goosey. If you don't know what that means, it means exactly what it sounds like it means. Loosey-goosey. We're either running around doing fun stuff or we're chilling at home, not doing anything. Either way, I'm not spending a lot of time planning out breakfasts and lunches. So I was so excited to try out Daily Harvest. It's a subscription service that makes healthy eating easy and requires basically no effort. How do they do that? Well, Daily Harvest delivers perfectly portioned cups of frozen organic fruits and vegetables directly to your door. These cups turn into one-step prep smoothies 
savory harvest bowls, soups, functional lattes, overnight oats, and more. All you have to do is add water or your favorite milk to the cup and blend, heat, or soak. It's that easy. It's the perfect thing to have on hand for those days when you don't have time to cook. It stays fresh in the freezer until you're ready to eat it. So you don't have to eat it right away before it goes bad. No, it just goes straight into the freezer and it takes just one step to prepare. So like the butternut squash and chimichurri harvest bowl that I personally had for lunch a few days ago, I could have, because this was the mode that I was in, my options basically were open a box of crackers or pretend like potato chips or a vegetable. But instead I stuck my daily harvest meal into the microwave and had a super healthy filling and easy meal that I didn't have to feel one bit guilty about eating with zero effort. And y'all, it was actually delicious. It smelled great even when it was still frozen and it tasted great. Yay for things that are actually easier than less healthy options. Smoothies are a great way to guarantee a healthy breakfast or snack and cool you down when it's way too hot out. Even better, they're made to be taken on the go. Ice lattes, I know they have ice lattes, are the perfect way to cool down when it's too hot out. And with three separate servings per order, those lattes cost less than coffee shop drinks. And now you can try it out too. Go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code CLEAN to get three cups free in your first box. That's promo code CLEAN for three free Daily Harvest cups at daily-harvest.com. That's daily-harvest.com. Okay, now for my talk with Katie. Hi, Katie. Thanks for joining me today. Dana, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, so I want to start out and let you tell a little bit about yourself. You are Katie from kitchenstewardship.com, right? Yes. Yeah, I've been at Kitchen Stewardship for about nine years. Um, I say I help families stay healthy without going crazy. And then, <laughs> and then another kind of business grew out of that, teaching kids to cook a few years ago. Oh, cool. So tell me about a day in your life. I know that there's no such thing as a normal day for moms, but um, tell me just a general day, how it goes for y'all and your family. Sure. My kids are three, six, nine, and just flipped over to 13. So we don't get to count by threes anymore, but um, there, so there we have a wide range, you know, we have a, a teenager and two kids in elementary and a three-year-old. So the three-year-old's obviously the wild card as far as his days being different. My husband and I both work at home, so we have no boundaries, right? Work and life are all mishmashed together right. in one house, um, which is complicated, of course. And so we just, for the first time, put the three-year-old in a daycare. It's a Montessori preschool three days a week. So that's okay. been a huge difference in kind of what we're able to get done. The house doesn't get messier while we work, which is like amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have yeah, kids start school at two different times, so we make like three or four different breakfasts, depending, depending on when they, when they wander down and um, tend to, we, I feel like they can't make breakfast on a school day because they're so rushed and I sleep is so important to me that I never want to say like, all right, y'all, you need to get up 15 minutes earlier so that you can make your own. So my husband and I share that duty of, of making eggs or oatmeal or whatever it is. We have cereal day once a week, which sets us apart from 
a lot of the world where I think, you know, they have something, something other than cereal day once a week. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so there's definitely, you know, when you're cooking real food, you spend a lot of time in the kitchen. So that's, I feel like I had to start there. Like we spend, I feel like two hours in the kitchen getting the people ready to go. Um, and then we put in some work, we put in usually work day, my husband and I never getting our to-do lists done. <laughs> there's always more, there's always more to do. Um, and you know, once the kids come home, even if I have good intentions of getting in one more hour, it never really happens, right? Cause they have questions or they have homework or they have a chore that they need to do that I need to manage. And then, you know, we have a kid, two kids in soccer. We have one in dance. Um, you know, so evenings, church school evenings are just a little bit different every time, but we really do sit down to dinner, all six of us, almost every night. The, I, the only exception would be, you know, sometimes one person might have to leave to go to like a soccer practice, but we uh, amazingly still, like I keep thinking that things are going to end, you know, that, that we will not be able to do that anymore, but we really do prioritize sitting down, eating a real meal, um, you know, and then the rest of the night until eight is just getting people ready for bed. I don't know. It feels yeah. crazy to say that, like, if you eat dinner at six, it's all just, you know, getting ready for bed. I don't know how, how families do like movie <laughs> nights or have right. any fun at all. Sometimes we might get a walk in, but it, you know, our kids are yeah. still pretty little. We're looking forward to that time where we can just say, brush your teeth. And it right. happens without us helping, well, but we love being know. with them. Our kids are older now, and I think that's been one of the hardest adjustments for me because I'm so passionate about mealtime around the table. And it's like we have just had to say we're going to eat at weird times. You know, like because in my mind, you don't eat at 730 or 8 o'clock at night. You just don't, except that we do now because that's when we can all eat together. You know, so it's just because I have a 16, a 14, and a 12. So you know, I mean, we're just in that phase of life where football practices go until 7.15 at night or, yeah. hey, we've got this or whatever. So I think that's been an adjustment for us. But it, but I'm glad that we're doing that, you know, because to me, the trade-off would be that we don't eat together. And so, um, you know, just it, it was it was a big adjustment for me there for probably about two years ago when I started to realize, wait, <laughs> only one person is at home anymore at the time that we always ate dinner. And so, you know, now we just, you make it work. It, yeah. it, it happens. And then, you know, also for me, it's been being willing to sit down when all but one of us is here, you know, cause it would feel like, Oh, if somebody's gone, then should we just, you know, eat around the TV or whatever? You know what I mean? Oh, it's like, yeah, no, up dinner, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and so now all of a sudden it's like, okay, if we let ourselves do that, then, you know, so we're just like, nope, we're going to do it as often as we possibly can. And that's, better than nothing, right? So yeah, tell me about your passion. I know you are passionate about getting kids in the kitchen. So like, how did that passion develop in you? Well, I'm a teacher by trade. So I, I mean, as a kid, I was always the person teaching my poor little brother. I feel really sorry for him because <laughs> I was not a very kind teacher, <laughs> three years as elder. Um, but I was always just teaching him. I'm teaching the stuffed animals. Like I knew since I was in preschool that I wanted to be a teacher as a job. And so that is what I did before I had kids. So it's just kind of part of me to teach. And so kitchen stewardship is an extension of that. Like I teach other people, you know, how to balance their budget and the environment and their health. But I kept hearing over and over people say, man, I never learned to cook. I just never learned. And so this is so big of a deal for me. It's such a big change to tr suddenly try to be cooking from scratch. And like, I felt like everyone was having to put on the brakes and rewind 
in order to regain their health. And there, that's never going to change. It's no matter how good of a teacher I am, if I'm constantly only teaching the adults, it's never going to change. And so we had to back it up a generation because I worry a lot about just the rates of disease increasing and the rates of obesity increasing. And I see that and I'm like, what are we going to do? So what am I going to do? I'm going to teach every kid in America to cook real food so that they know what to do with a head of bok choy or a box of spinach, you know, or a piece of fennel, like that they actually recognize fruits and vegetables and know how to get them from the store to their plate. Okay. And did this, um, did this start with your own children? Were you already teaching this to your own kids? And then that's when you started teaching other people or, um, did you just see this as a problem and use your kids as the guinea pigs? <laughs> you know, I, kind of, I kind of had an oops moment. I had a little come to Jesus moment when my oldest was in fourth grade. He had to do a speech to show anything, how to show, how to do whatever you wanted. It was kind of the end of the year, like May in May, you know, you're not really doing much important. So it was just public speaking practice. And he demonstrated guacamole, which was really cool. I taught him how to get the pit out, which was the one part that he didn't know before. And because he'd been making guacamole since he was in first grade. And, you know, that's kind of cool. Not a lot of kids know how to do that. But for someone who's been teaching people all over the world to cook for years, I realized that that was literally the only thing he knew how to do. And I was like, oh, I forgot about the people in my house. <laughs> so that was the summer where I was like, all right, we're being serious about this. I did this whole curriculum and I actually invited their friends over. They each got to invite a friend so that I would do it, so that I didn't put it in the calendar as, you know, a good effort and a good intention and then see it and be like, oh, it's sunny. We should be outside. Oh, it's raining. I'm bored. To, I feel lazy. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's always an excuse when it's your own thing in the calendar, but when other people are counting on you, I knew I needed that accountability to do it. So we kind of taught the lessons and worked out kinks that summer and then made it into a, like a real class with professional videos in the fall. Oh, how fun. So tell me, um, what are, what's the first thing that you feel like a child needs to know, like to get, like, what is the absolute very first starting place? And this, this is going to depend of course on the age of the child, right. but even starting at age two, we put knives in their hands, um, butter knives, butter <laughs> knives. Okay, good. <laughs> butter knives and bananas at age two. So we talk a lot about fitting, the knife and the food to the size and maturity of the child. So with, you know, little kids, it's butter knives and bananas, but we still teach them proper skills because there's, I mean, there's no skin in the game with a butter knife. Like even if a child is completely holding the food wrong, they're not going to cut their finger off. Right. But I don't want them to get knife habits where when we move on to a paring knife, they do cut their finger off. Right. So right. we teach like appropriate technique no matter their age. And so knife skills really are the one, like a thread that goes through all of our level levels, we call them beginner, intermediate, and advanced. So basically you can think of like preschool, lower elementary, and then upper elementary, middle school. Um, it's what you do. You know, when you're cooking from scratch real food, you spend a lot of time at the cutting board and having knife skills is like the key to entering the world of fresh produce. So like, what's the, what's the thing that you teach them first? I mean, as far as like the, the technique that you teach them first, is it the curl your fingers under? Is it, you know, what is it? Um, well, we created, I created fun phrases for the kids. So everything, everything that we do has kind of a fun memory phrase. And so we have 
three ways of holding the food and four ways of moving the knife. So that's, that's actually in our like introductory knife safety lesson for all the ages, which, which I'm going to give to your audience for free at kids. Oh, cool dot com slash clean so they can you know they can actually use that 10 minute video with the kids but we um we say just things like hey hey out of the way and standing your fingers straight up and down like a soldier um the whole like curling thing is a little bit tricky for kids so we just need to get their fingers you know so basically so that their fingertips are not pointing toward the knife the fingertips point toward the cutting board and so we have a couple of our phrases use the word soldier like and we talk about standing straight up like a soldier so that you're not, you know, getting anywhere near the knife. And then we have four different ways to move the knife that are kind of fun. Okay. Okay. Um, so tell me about, uh, let's talk about kitchens just in general. Since your work is in your kitchen and you say you spend about two hours a day in your kitchen. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, tell me your like this is my must must do routine for every single day in my kitchen. Like what is, what is it personally for you to keep it under control so that you can consistently use it? Oh my gosh. That's so terrible because I honestly don't like, I just walk in my kitchen and and it's like what needs to be done right now and what needs to be done next. Um, Sometimes when I feel like my counters are getting completely buried, which is like twice a day, Uh I'll just, I'll just say, I can't do this. It's too, it's like my house is a mess. And I'll go, just put away five things, any five things and just count to five. And then I, you get some momentum, but like just getting started is sometimes yeah. so hard for me because it's like, I don't have time to clean up because I have to make food. <laughs> they're they're right. hungry again. Um, so <laughs> I am, I really am actually terrible about routines, but in the kitchen, most things have a place. Sometimes the place is the counter, which I'm sure is a bad idea, but it is what it is. It is what it is. And you deal with whatever it is. That's the yeah. deal. So like, what are your, um, do you have any like kitchen organization systems or like your very favorite kitchen tools that you just absolutely would not live without or what? Yeah. Favorite kitchen tools. And I'm going to sound. Okay. So okay. we're going to start again. We're recording again. Um, we kind of, uh, got messed up. And so Katie might sound a little bit different, but that's okay. Go ahead. Tell us about your favorite tools. So I do have a lot of tools that I love, um, but I like to keep it really simple. And I might sound like a broken record, but the knife and cutting board is definitely the most important thing. And so, I mean, I have just a nice sharp knife that I love and my oldest always steals it from me because it's his favorite too, but that's okay. We're raising well, right? And then I have a huge wooden cutting board that sits between my sink and my stove. And it just doesn't even have a place to go away. It lives on the counter because it's always in use. Um, and then another thing that we use every day is we have this huge cast iron griddle that sits over two burners. And that, too, it just lives there. It never goes anywhere. We use it multiple times a morning. We heat our leftovers on it. Um, it is just a constant I would, I don't know what I'd do. If I lost it, I'd be like ordering a new one immediately. <laughs> one day shipping. I don't, I don't even know how to cook without it hardly. So, I mean, those are two items that we use every single day. Um, I'd be, I'm pretty into the instant pot mostly because even when I do make a plan, I might get, like, get my head into something at work and look up and go, Oh my gosh, it's three o'clock. I can't start that slow cooker meal anymore. You know, right. So that the instant to me pot all the time. me a lot. <laughs> Okay, well, so yeah. tell me about your cutting board because we kind of joke around about cutting boards around here. Um, and you know, 
having lots and lots of them because they're useful, right? So do you just use the one cutting board? I have others, um, well, especially because my kids can help. So sometimes I'm at the big cutting board and I've got a kid at the kitchen table and I've got a kid at, you know, another counter. So we have plenty of those basic, like the size of a piece of paper cutting boards too. Um, And I like those, though I use plastic ones if I'm going to do anything like raw meat because I really want to run it through the dishwasher. And so my big wooden one is used for most of our veg, like all of our vegetable prep. And, you know, if I do fruits, then it gets the fruits, like it kind of soaks up the flavor, I guess, a little bit. So I try not to mix fruits and onions too close to each other. That's the only drawback of the wooden cutting board. But otherwise, yeah, we just kind of wipe it down. I never do meat or dairy on the big cutting board because I just don't want to deal with having to wash it really, really well. We just kind of like wipe it down. Yeah. It's going to be used in two hours anyway. So, yeah. Do you feel like your Instant Pot, your cutting board, and your knife, those are the things that if you got, you know, if you had to, you know, just pick your things that you would live with, those would be the ones or in your griddle too? Or, I mean, are there yeah. other things that you feel like are essentials or those kind of, let's boil it down to the absolute basics and that's what's it? I know. Yeah. The absolute basics, that really would be it. And then obviously you got to have some like utensils to stir with, but. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those are those are the big ones. We we cook a lot more than we bake. And so in fact in our course we teach kids how to like measure into their hands and eye things up and you know make things up and guess at quantities. So I would imagine a lot of people would think measuring tools would be really important, but in our kitchen they're really not cuz we're just kind of throwing things together. We do bake, but it's not very often. Oh, I love that. That's my mom is she did the you know, in the palm of your hand when you cup your hand and use that for, is it a teaspoon or, um, mm-hmm. Usually, it, yeah. Yeah. So no, that's how she taught me to cook too. So I can blame her for not being able to follow a recipe. Is that right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I have real issues with following recipes, but I love that, that you're teaching them the skills for that. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And well, we do actually start out with following recipes. As soon as kids can read, so that's mm-hmm. our intermediate level for readers, the first lesson is how to follow a recipe well. We talk about reading it all the way through so that you don't, like, throw something in too early. can't take it back out. But I think that's why a lot of adults mess up our recipes because we're moving way too fast. We don't read it right. through. We don't get out all the ingredients, you know. And so we have them read it all the way through, ask questions, get out all the ingredients first. Move the ingredients from left to right as you use them in case you get distracted so you don't put anything in twice. Um, and those are all just, there is, you know, I say reading a recipe is actually a skill and it, you know, promotes your success in the kitchen if you're taking care with that. So do you have adults that take your classes because they need the basics? Or do so you know? <laughs> under the guise, under the guise of teaching their kids to cook, Oh yeah. <laughs> parents parents will say, ah, I'm learning too. Like I'm learning right along with my kids. So I, I don't think anyone, the adults don't actually take it by themselves, but they're like, <laughs> they're, they're sneaking in their own learning sitting behind their children. Well, say, so, you know, my mom and I talk about this a lot and she, she'll say that, you know, she took four years of home ec in high school. And wow. I mean, that was her passion that she just loved it. And then by the time I got to high school, they had cut home ec classes and completely. You know, she, yeah. Yeah. Four and so, years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so it's, it's just that reality of, I feel like this is a, a missing, it's like a gap 
generationally that a lot of us did not have formal cooking training, which I have my 16-year-old signed up for a cooking class for next year, and I'm so thrilled. But that, I mean, I, I think that's a reality. And sometimes because it was something that seemed so natural, possibly to our moms or our grandmas or whoever, that it sometimes feels like, oh, well, they were just born knowing this. And then somehow I wasn't born knowing this. When in reality, they were taught, you know, just either by teaching themselves or, you know, through a class or whatever. Um, and so I, I'm all about, if you need to learn it, learn it, you know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. don't, don't feel like, you know, I should already know this. And so I don't want to take the time to learn it. Anyway, so tell me three yeah, things. I, I think. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think our generation and our kids' generation, it's just an interesting time in history because we're all kind of saying, oh, I want my kids to have a better life than I had. You know, we, we don't want them to have to work too hard. And then there's kind of the helicopter parenting feeling that people feel like they need to keep their kids safer, that the world is more dangerous when it's really just the Internet makes it feel more dangerous because we know everything that's happening to everyone you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like they, they no, say does. the world isn't actually more dangerous, but we have this perception that we need to take very close care for our children. And sometimes that includes the erroneous notion that they shouldn't work hard, that they shouldn't be doing chores or that it, you know, it takes, it's just easier for us to do it ourselves. There, there's a lot of, of excuses and very, very well-intentioned parents, but we're just kind of, we are missing passing on some of those life skills. And our parents kind of did too. Yeah. Like we learned maybe a little bit, but many of us missed out on that. And it's, um, I think it's wreaking havoc. I really do. When you look at statistics of like just disease and convenience food and the waste that we're creating, uh, it's, it's a little scary. So I would like to put a stop to that. Well, and I think too, there's, so like, my mother was kind of, you know, she grew up on a farm. And so she, like the big bad word for her was preservatives. You know, like that was the mm-hmm. word I wanted to eat such and such. Oh, that has preservatives, you know. And so I grew up that way. But then I've also got people in other, you know, areas of my family who don't listen to podcasts. But anyway, but my mother-in-law. Um, So, you know, she does certain things like absolutely from scratch. But then she's also of a generation that was beyond thrilled with a lot of the convenience things that came up because she lived before convenience was a thing. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. so, yeah. and so there is, there is value in certain kinds of convenience things, but now it's like maybe anyway, I know we're getting to all these philosophy things, but sometimes I wonder there's those of us who were brought up that way. And so this is what, food tastes like to us, but then we're like, wait a minute, what is this doing to our health and how can we change that? And now we have to change the way that we've cooked, you know, that cooking doesn't always have to come from a box. Anyway, we're going on and on about this, but okay. Before we, I know you don't have all the time in the world, so I do want to know what are your, I know we talked about knife skills being the place to start, but what, um, what are three things that let's, let's just pick an age. Let's say an eight year old. What are three things mm-hmm. that a mom of an eight year old can do this week to just start bringing her kids into the kitchen and getting them, um, comfortable in there? Yeah, definitely. So I would start with, I would start with nice skills. And if you have a mature eight year old, that's absolutely not too young to start with a paring knife. And then I say choosing the right food is really important. So you want to start with a short knife, like a paring knife for, for a small child. Um, but then you don't want to give them something really hard, like a carrot or really 
um, awkward like an onion that's going to roll away and have all these layers, right? So small knife, do something like a strawberry, a mushroom, um, melon that you've already cut the rind off. So you really want to create success, kind of like when you talk about your decluttering, it's always progress. We want Mm -hmm. kids to feel that successful feeling as well. So, you know, teaching a little bit of knife skills, just getting them involved, even if it's just three minutes. Um, And the key to this is not doing it when you have any time pressure, which usually means not before dinner. Do it right after snack or if you're homeschooling or it's a Saturday right after lunch. It's such a better time to teach a new skill to a kid because people aren't hungry and rushed. That usually ends up being a negative experience. Right. Um, So, yeah, getting a knife in their hand is a big deal. I think at age eight, working at the stove is a great idea. Like just reducing their fear of the stove, even if it's something you completely made and you just want this person, this child to stir. That would be an easy step and talk about what's hot, you know, what's not, how to hold the pot so that the pot is completely in your control, how to hold the spoon and just stir so that they're not afraid of the stove. Too many kids are like super afraid of it. And so that's one thing we try to do in our courses is make it very approachable for kids. Um, And then I would say choosing something new to eat. This is, you know, getting kids involved in the kitchen. Our ultimate goal is to keep them eating well both now as a child and as they grow into adulthood and start making their own food decisions. So I really am a huge proponent of giving kids choices and getting them involved in, in, the, in the food, like even going to the grocery store and choosing, choosing things and trying something new in, in like eating something new. So that's all, it's all related. It's all one big happy story. Well, and I'm, you know, one of the things that I did with um, my Girl Scouts when we were, um, you know, planning a camp out was we just took some time and they all got on Pinterest and looked up stuff. So, I mean, like easy, real food recipes would probably be something you could look up on Pinterest and then they can Mm -hmm. pick out what actually looks good to them and, and then go from there. That would be a a great way to just kind of let them have that, that ownership in what actually sounds good to you instead of, I promise you're going to like this, (laughs) which doesn't always work well. Right. (laughs) But yeah. Okay. Well, right. thank you and, so much. You know, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, it's been, it's been such a pleasure. I was just going to say it's okay when kids don't like things. Um, I actually did an interview with a person who has a background in psychology, special education and nutrition. Like she's like the powerhouse of knowing everything about kids and food. And she said, you know, really and truly brain science wise, you have to be exposed to something 10 times before you can decide if you like it or not. So we've always, you know, you hear when kids are babies, oh, you have to give them something 10 times before they'll like it. No, it's 10 times before your brain is even capable of making the decision whether you like it or not. And you might not. And so she had so many great phrases of just like, it's okay that you don't like this yet. You know, you might like this later when you're an adult, but we'll just put it aside. And um, I I just think that's really good for parents to hear that we do want to encourage our kids to have tastes, but we don't want to force them to eat or have high expectations or low expectations and think that they can only eat pizza, pasta, and chicken nuggets. You know, high expectations, like they can eat feta cheese and salad and all sorts of really interesting and unique flavors, but it takes time for their taste buds and their brains to get used to it. Well, and I think sometimes it's the situation that you're in as well, because you know, I know my mom, I went off to college and, you know, I was in, um, you know, I, w- I started eating jambalaya and, 
um, crawfish. And she was like, you would never have touched those things before. And I'm like, well, it was in a situation where all of a sudden it was fun, you know? And so it's, it's like finding these situations to say, this is the, this is the fun food at this situation, which is something if my mother said it in front of me, I probably would not even have even touched it. Um, but I find the same thing happening with my kids is, you know, if I was just to serve this at dinner, they wouldn't eat it. But if we're eating it in some other situation, they're like, oh, this is, you know, this is fun. And, and now they like that food. So anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us about the um, you said that you have something to give my listeners. So tell us about that and where they can find you online. I do. Yeah. So special little gift. It's our 10 minute introduction to knife skills and safety. So that works for ages, you know, two to teen. And you can find that at a slob comes clean dot com slash or no, sorry, not you, me. <laughs> Kids cook real food dot com. Kids cook real food dot com slash clean. Okay. Um, and that so that's totally free to test out. And then, you know, our whole course, of course, is at kidscookrealfood.com. And then if you're an adult who's looking for healthy recipes, I can help with that, too. That's kitchenstewardship.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much for um, coming on the podcast today. And um, I will share um, anything else that any other links that are coming up um, once we're done. So, okay. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Dana. It was a pleasure. All right. Bye-bye.